0: And welcome back to the Euro Trips Football Podcast. It's time for another season preview, and this time the team is Everton. With me, I've got a very special guest, a guy I've known many a time through my many years watching Redman TV. It's Ped from Toffee TV. How are you?
1: I'm all right. It's a it's a bit worrying that you know me from Redmen TV. <laughs> that's just that's that's uh, it's humbling.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, sad as Liverpool fan. I, I um I think I'd be on Twitter, I think I'd be what's the word, vilified if I'd um, be watching Everton content. But no, <laughs> I I've I've seen your work, I've seen um you know clips on Twitter, social media, so I'm aware of your work and um it's great to have you on. Uh, no
1: problem. Thanks. It's uh, nice to be here.
0: I'm glad you're on. And I like to ask every new guest the same sort of questions. Now We'd like to ask why you're a fan of the team now. It's clear from the work you do the channel, and your background, first of all, for those on YouTube or, you know, that you're an Everton fan and through your accent you can hear why. But of course, there's a lot of things in Liverpool about some people have their families red, their families blue. Sometimes it's mixed. Sometimes the kids can come away from their family traditions. But for you, what made you Everton over Liverpool?
1: Uh, well you're you're right because my dad is one of nine and he's the only evertonian so um he I, I mean I, yeah I'd love to know I'd love to know why he's an evertonian why, why I'm an evertonian um yeah he my dad was a big evertonian um and obviously I was I was born the late 70s so coming into football and starting to understand football in the mid 80s growing up um Obviously, Everton's greatest ever era. And, and I think one of the main things for my dad was to make sure that I wasn't a red. So I, I imagine if there's any kind of influence coming from uh, any cousins or any relatives, then, you know, he had to make sure he steered me in the right direction. And he started taking me to the game in the mid 80s. So I was like, I was like six when I first went. And, and I've been very lucky. I'm very lucky that. I, it was in Everton's greatest era and obviously growing up I knew nothing else. I was growing up I going to Wembley was a regular occurrence every year, going to Wembley for the first four or five years, often twice a year, was you know, going to semi-finals and how can you not be, you know, how can you not be captured by that? Obviously Liverpool were doing what they were doing, but very different to what it is now. There wasn't it didn't it didn't feel like it was the end of the world if you didn't win things or, and obviously I was very young, but it just, it just didn't. I don't, I don't know if it touched, if it touched the world the way it does now, where everything is just life and death and constant football and constant talking about it and constant drama about every little situation. So it was really enjoyable, obviously growing up and going to games and experiencing that and not knowing much difference. So, um, it was a great time. It was a great time to grow up. It was a great time to grow up in Evertonian, and I uh, I, I loved it.
0: Yeah, I mean, some great times then. You've had a, a few Wembley appearances in the last few years, but nowhere near as many as you know you, you wanted when you first started. And I, I bet when you were a kid, you thought this would be all, all the time. I bet when you first followed Everton and went to games or watched them on TV, you saw them get to Wembley. I bet you thought it was like going to be your whole life like this. I bet you didn't think back then that it would become the way it's been since 1995.
1: No, because I mean, it's it's hard to Everton's period in the eighties is really hard to equate with other clubs. Um, obviously, other clubs have had their moments, but Everton had so much so quickly, and it's it is hard to quantify it against other teams. Obviously, you've got you've got Manchester City now, who are obviously dominating, and they they and we've just come off the back of obviously uh, Manchester United dominating and. It always seems to it always seems to obviously flow, from, it it's it's a strange one. It, it almost in a way it actually it's actually quite similar to what Liverpool I've just experienced. I suppose is you know winning the league, winning the Champions League, going close to other trophies. It all being absolutely amazing, and then suddenly it's not absolutely amazing, and suddenly you find um, the cracks start to appear, and suddenly you find you can't compete with players that other teams can't compete with. Um, so it, it it it's interesting, but because I was young and because of the way football was back then, and obviously Everton as a football club have always had periods of dominance and then it's gone away and then it's come back. Well, unfortunately for me and other evertonians of my generation we are currently living through the most barren period of our history so and what that comes with as well is a lot of people growing up at the moment don't maybe understand how ever how big everton are, are as a football club for the in- entire history of football but it doesn't really matter does it because football doesn't work like that anymore it's so inst- instantaneous and it's all about the next thing and it's all about the uh, the fifa generation of who you play as a team on there and because because the world is so small now you can support uh, your PSG's of the world or or you're into Miami's of the world or or whoever and that's it's so different to what I grew, uh, how I grew up uh, and and um yeah we all, we thought it was going to last forever so going going you know from 87 to 95 with a tro- without a trophy felt like an eternity but every, obviously since then it's actually become an eternity and you do wonder when 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 and if if another trophy ever appears
0: yeah, I, I see I see what you mean because I remember when I first started following Paul 2002 sort of time, 2003, when my dad basically thought on me when I was a kid and I remember there was years where we'd have a great year and then loads of bad years. I remember there was the, you know, when I first came, my first idol was Mike Owen and he left, but obviously won the Champions League. But then there was a few years without trophies, second place finish in 2009 and then there was years under, the, you know, then the whole American ownership got worse and worse and we finished fifth and sixth and had some really barren years, the Royal Hodgson era, especially. You know, yeah. fast forward 2013-14, come so close to winning the league. The Gerrard famous incident happened. I'm not saying the word, I refuse to say the S-word, but um, <laughs> you know, and then that went bad for a few years. And obviously, this year's been recently been a, a few more solid years. But even then, like a couple of years ago, we had the COVID year where we really should have really been outside the top four, but he somehow managed to scrape in. And then obviously yeah. last season happened a year after going for a quadruple. So I think it's um, interesting for you as well, because when you were obviously first following Everton, um, I remember from what I've seen from old clips, it was when Liverpool won the best as well. So I hear Lineker talking about the time when they had a parade, when they lost an Epic Cup final, because they had to watch Liverpool lift up the league title and FA Cup title after beating yeah. you guys to both trophies. So yeah, um, that must have been tough for you as a kid to um, to have seen that, seeing you know, how see your local rivals just pip you at the two biggest trophies at the time that, that you could go for.
1: Yeah, I, I'll be honest, that it's it's a weird one because I don't really remember it being that much of an issue. I just remember Everton having a great team, and um, I just I just yeah, it was it was a bit different because. I think now a lot more would be made of it. Um ironically that year was eighty six and Everton Everton had a much better team than Liverpool and Liverpool won the double. And the year after Liverpool had a much better team than Everton and Everton won the league. So it it was strange in them days. It felt like we were swapping trophies all the time and um you didn't you didn't worry. I mean, I was I was too young to probably even think about it. I was just playing football in the street with my kit on and just enjoying it and going to matching and, and just enjoying um Enjoying it all, thinking this is the normality of the world. So it wasn't. We just didn't get. A spot. I, I mean, I can't imagine kids, kids now even worry would worry about it too much. They just if you if kids can go the game nowadays, it's just an experience, and it and it's. Um they'll just enjoy their reality as a football fan whatever it is and whoever they support if they're winning trophies it's amazing and they'll think it's going to last forever and they'll feel like it's always been like that and if you're supporting you know if you're supporting any team if you're getting to go the game and you're always going to have your heroes you're always going to have people you love you're going to have obviously now people you get on the back of your shirt and i suppose it doesn't really it doesn't really matter the level of the player if the player's amazing then you'll just you'll love them but even if even if the play's not amazing, you still have your favourites for whatever reason. So um yeah, back then it was just it was just a joy to it was just a joy to be around and watch watch a, a fantastic team without being too caught up in it.
0: Now you've mentioned you mentioned just then about people having favourite players, and that's a really good segue into my next segment, which is gonna be as to you, a couple of questions. First of all, um favorite ever Everton player.
1: It's a really difficult one this because it's it's always um, I think it's always someone who meant something to you out at maybe uh, an important time in your life as well. I always think that it's really easy to say, well, I saw this player win this trophy or I saw this player score a winning goal or whatever. I think it, I think it has to be someone who just captures you at a certain time. And I think my, my favorite players is it's Duncan Ferguson and it's, it's, there's a lot of my generation whose favourite player is Duncan Ferguson. And the simple reason why is because Everton weren't very good. And it's, he's a player who certainly I was a teen, you know, and, and now as a teen, I understand football and I understand that Everton are going through a lean period. And, um you know, going, I mean, you're in school and obviously everything that comes with being in school in Liverpool and having Liverpool fans. And, and, and I, I'm, you know, um I like to class myself as a proper fan, a proper fan who went who went the games from being young and going away and sitting on the back of the buses and all that kind of thing. And you get in Liverpool, <laughs> whether people like to admit it or not, you get a lot of Liverpool fans who just, just they never went the game and they're living off their, their, their living off their, you know, their parents their pa- pa- parents, father mostly and they not they don't experience the things that you experience and I still think this is a big thing in football certainly when people talk about like uh, day trippers and all this kind of thing it's it's not the highs it's the lows have you experienced the lows how can you how can people talk about football if they haven't experienced the lows i think that's what gives manchester city fans so much um credit in the bank now is that when people say, Oh, you know, you're winning all this, but you've you've done it, you've got all the money and they're like, Yeah, but we watched the team when we played in like the third division. Well, obviously I never had to experience that. But I experienced some really rubbish days as a teenager being in school. So when Duncan Ferguson come along, suddenly you have a guy who walks on the pitch and just you just look at him and think, This fella's prepared prepared to fight. Like and he was prepared to fight, but this fella's prepared to like go to war for us. And you know, I I'm I, I stood on the Gladys Street, sit in the Gladys seat. I've still got my season ticket in the Gladys Street now. And this guy, like, he represents us. And when you're like when you're like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you 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 need someone like that. You need someone to, to represent you on the pitch and turn up, especially in those Mayside Derbies. And Dunk turned up. And he turned up like his first goal was in the Mayside Derby when we were at the bottom of the league, when every when everyone had lost hope. And he scores at the Gladys Street and we go on and win the game 2-0. And it was the ninety four ninety five season. It was the moment the season turned. It was Joe Royal's first game. And I remember being in the Gladys Street, and I was on my own in the Gladys Street. And I'm a I'm I'm still in school. Uh, you know, I'm going the game on my own. That's how die hard I was. It didn't matter. I didn't need to go the match with anybody else. I'm, I'm surrounded by my people, so it doesn't really matter. And Duncan Ferguson turns up and he does that for you. And I think every club has a hero like that. You know, you'll always have people who, you know, you've mentioned Michael Owen there, but living in Liverpool at the time, people I know much preferred Robbie Fowler because Robbie Fowler was, is is from Liverpool and he's one of the people where Michael Owen felt like this player who was made in a lab. <laughs> he's too <laughs> perfect, Michael Owen. He's far too perfect. People preferred. Robbie Fowler because he was rough around the edges and he was from Liverpool and he represented the city and so people preferred him whereas I mean obviously Duncan Ferguson wasn't that but he was a bit like a bit of a lost soul and he come to Liverpool and and it just he clicked and I think fans often wonder why we love Dunk so much but something in my generation just clicked with him as a player and as a person Um, and fans just love him, fans still love him and so for me, he was my hero, and and growing up, you didn't need anyone else. You just had you knew you had Duncan Ferguson, and that's why you know when he he left to go to Newcastle, it 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 broke a lot of fans, and it ended up meaning the owner to actually sell the club because because it it, it caused such a ripple. So yeah, definitely definitely Duncan Ferguson for me.
0: And then for you, what about like a favorite memory? You mentioned a lot of the 80s era. Of course, there's more recent things like getting to an FA Cup final, et cetera. So for you, what would be your highlight, your favorite ever memory as an Everton fan?
1: Again, difficult one, lots of good memories. Um, not a chance on earth would it be getting to a cup fan and losing. No like <laughs> I am my standards are ridiculous and people people will, you know, listen to me. Um well, do you just think I'm? Do you think I'm miserable? But I, my standards for my football club are huge. They are huge. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm someone who believes that as a, as an institution, Everton football club are one of the biggest clubs in the country, and I respect the people who are, who are above. I, I understand that there are bigger clubs, but, but to me, Everton are are one of the elite and it's gone missing the last 25 years. So anything that's happened in the last 25 years, there'll be moments, there'll be emotional moments because you, the set like the semi-final in 2009 for a lot of people go, would say, oh, it was a great day because we got to the cup final and it felt like something was changing. But um, it's, it's, you know, it, it all comes down to, I think the emotions that come with, with, with particular games as well. Again, because a lot of the winning of the trophies were when I was really young i don't think i've still retained the, the actual emotions of those memories and i think you can remember winning the league or you can remember winning a cup but i don't think if you've got the emotion if you can remember the emotion so um again when when dunk scored that goal in 94 i think it was huge for me as a as a person um but but this i think it's difficult to, to say one particular moment because I I don't think I have one particular moment where I'll say that that would make because people might go oh when Dominic Carvin Loon scored against Crystal Palace you know a couple of seasons ago to me that's one of the worst nights of of my life you know the same same with the Corey last season you know anyone who picks those moments I I just think you you're watching yeah, the wrong football club or even the wrong sport if you if you enjoy those or you're using them as memorable moments um. There was times under David Moyes that I absolutely loved because it felt like as a football club it had a soul. That's the thing that's gone missing in recent years. Uh, you know, feeling that that communal spirit amongst them. I say th- I think if I was gonna if I was gonna just pick one absolute moment that stands out for me, it's when Wayne Rooney scored his first goal against the Arsenal. I think that to me was just a huge moment for the for. The football club at the time, but again, as some as someone who I was very my early twenties and going a game was a bit of a struggle. It just there was nothing exciting about it. But I think the emergence of Wayne Mooney for for an Evertonian is you have a player there similar to what I said about Robbie Fowler. You have a player there who is yours. He's an Everton fan, but he's the best player in the world because he. He was the best player in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Like you go back and watch clips, then you watch him when he played in 2004 in the uh, the Euros. He was the he was the best player in the world. He was like I I actually think, and a lot of other Evertonians agree with me on this. Is like Manchester United ruined them as a player? Like he won everything, but they they took like the edges off him. Like he he they sort of accommodated him for Ronaldo but I, I i believe he was better than ronaldo he had so much he had so much like he was just a, and he was like he was like a, a street player who had everything about him so seeing that moment where we all knew as as fans we all knew from like when he was 14 and 15 when he he sat on the bench i think at southampton when he was 15 and he never got on we all knew he was a, he was a he was, he was he was he was meant for greatness like absolutely absolute greatness and I think he, as a footballer, he achieved that because he won everything. But so that one defining moment when he scores the last minute goal against Arsenal, and of course it's not a tapping; it's a it's a last minute goal from thirty yards against an unbeaten Arsenal team. I don't think they would have the record for being unbeaten for something like thirty odd games. And the way he scored it, and the way he announced himself uh, on the scene, on the world scene, and from there it all exploded. Um. It was, it was absolutely huge. So, and I just remember that moment. I remember, I think I was on my own again. Uh, I think I had family in, in another side of the ground, but I, I think I just like, I think i just picked up the phone instantly. I think I've rung my sister and I just like, just while, get, while that moment was, cause I needed to experience that moment with somebody else. Um, because it was just it was unbelievable it was just an epic moment because i remember the week before I was actually in, i was in orlando the week before i was on holiday uh, and we played manchester united and manchester united beat us 3-0 i actually missed the, i actually missed one of the last ever uh shuttle launches one of the last ever nasa shuttle launches to sit in a pub and watch everton get beat 3-0 by manchester united in orlando that's that's how bad i am and i'd do it again even if I knew the score, I'd do it again. But it just always makes me laugh. It's just like we, you know, it's one of the it's the, well, I, like we didn't know it was like one of the last ever NASA shuttle launches. But but just to think, should we watch? Should we going watch the shuttle now. We're gonna watch Everton in a dark pub while it's thirty five degrees outside. But Rooney was incredible in that game, and I remember when United scored three times in the last ten minutes. But he was incredible, and it was almost like that night should have been his liftoff. So it was that game, that game, and then the following week, or sorry, the week after, we went to Leeds, and we hadn't beaten Leeds in something like 40 years, 50 years maybe, I think, 59 I think it was. He came on with 10 minutes to go, and he scored the winner, and I've never seen an away end like it. It was it was absolutely incredible. But he picked the ball up 30 yards, beat three of their players, and smashed it in the bottom corner with 10, just like five minutes after he'd come on a sub. And the feeling of being a fan, and thinking, oh my God, this is world, this is world changing. We have got the best player in the world playing for us. Unfortunately, what comes with having the best player is you typically have to sell the best player. Um, which obviously we did. But just for that brief little moment, there was a glimmer, there was a little glimmer. And he did save the club because he's selling them. Actually saved the club. The money we received actually saved the club. It paid wages that people's wage. you know, we were forced to sell them because if we didn't. Everton were in major trouble at the time and we had to sell Wayne Rooney and we we we've lucky we had we've had Wayne Rooney in our studio and he told us the full full story how he was forced out of Everton Everton's Everton spun this story that he he was demanding to leave and he said he wasn't he said they tried to sell him to Chelsea and he said well if you're trying to sell me I'll go where I'm going and it was Manchester United so um but just for that little glimmer for you know for the home game and then the away game my god it was it you just felt like you were part of the elite because you had the 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 best, as far as we were concerned, the best player in the world playing for us.
0: Yeah, that goal for me, a lot of memories for me as well, because I remember when I first got the football 2002 sort of time, it was in you know, the year days when you, it was much easier back then to avoid the scores because you had no phones. And it was a case where he'd, with dad and my brother go out for the day, we'd come back, rush home to watch match a day, or back then, Premiership. And yeah. I remember seeing that goal, not knowing, obviously, you used to try and avoid the scores of all the games. And then, Seen that and seeing the famous Clive Tilsey commentary, remember the name Wayne Rooney, that yeah. goal. That's one of my earliest memories of football is is that goal. And I remember actually reading a book recently on, um, on from Clive Tilsey. He, I think it was about a year or two ago he released it. And he's talking about yeah. that day when he the commentary where he'd said someone told him a time before, remember the name Wayne Rooney. And that's where he got that that line from. Yeah. from someone telling him who would seen him playing for the... Whether the youth team, I don't know whether it was, or whether it's on the bench. Or I don't know. At some point, he'd mm. seen the play and he told Clive Tilsey, so "Remember the name," and that's where the commentary came from. So, yeah, he was a great player. I think he, I'd say, yeah. he's probably got the case of being probably is England's greatest ever striker. Yeah, the natural yeah. talent as well as his production. Of course, he was until recently England's top goal scorer. a record that stood for years and years with um, mm. Bobby Charlton. So, yeah, yeah he was. It's a shame that you guys, if you'd had him, say, if it was Everton of the 80s and he was there, yeah, he probably would have been there the whole time, probably would have been there for the entire career. Yeah. I don't think he wants to leave, really, but when the leaving no, he... and you know, Manu come calling back then, they were the juggernauts, yeah. so it's hard to turn yeah.
1: down. Well, I'll just give you a very quick story. So last year, we went to America for our pre-season, Everton's pre-season, and Everton were playing their first game in Baltimore against Arsenal. So we based ourselves in in in, in Washington, um, because we'd all seen The Wire, <laughs> and um, so we were in Washington, and we had a day off before we had to fly the next day to Minnesota. So we went we went into Washington for the, the you know seeing all the to, seeing all the sights, and we um we went for something to eat, and then we were in a bar, and then we found out the la- basically the last bar open was a hotel around the corner. So we walked around the corner, and we we're in this ho- we we're in this hotel, and having a few drinks, and. There's lots of Evertonians in there, and this guy, this guy, who was who was with us having a drink, said Wayne Rooney's around there, and he was like, is he? Yeah, and, I, and like I just didn't think anything of it. I just said, come on, let's go around there. So we walked round, and we walked over to him, thinking, you know, we'll say hello to Wayne Rooney, and he just looked at us and he was like, oh, I watch you all the time, and I was just like, oh my god, he was like, yeah, I watch you all the time. He said he said he said yeah i watch your watch your channel all the time like he said i've watched it for ages and I, I was just like oh my god and that's we were with them for hours and that's when we uh, we said you he asked me number got his number off him and he said i'll come in the studio when i when I when i finished there for the season and true to his word he came i think it was uh, end of last october he came in did about three or four hours, and then he said, I'll, oh, I've got it. I've got it. Uh, I'm going away to do the World Cup, and I'll try and get back in if I can. He, he unfortunately couldn't, but he stayed in such a day ever since. Uh, you know, just incredible just meeting someone and going, Yeah, I watch your YouTube channel. It's like, Oh my God, unbelievable.
0: That is an amazing story. That really is because it's like, it's, the equivalent of me going to the bar and meeting Stephen Jarrett and telling me he watches his podcast. It is just like that. <laughs> it's just a story that I know we like all bit on a very lesser scale in terms of the actual situation. I remember we were in a game in Monaco, I went to watch Monaco PSG two seasons ago now for the channel. And Ryan and I, who were both big Arsenal fans, we were like right on the front seat by the corner flag and Henri walked past them three times. And for them it was like <laughs> they were just absolutely <laughs> stuck. Star- I didn't really yeah. spoke for twenty minutes after that and I just- <laughs> That is times by about a million percent. If not only is he saying he watches you, you're meeting him, yeah. giving you a number and he comes into the studio. That must be yeah, yeah. incredible, um, incredible, incredible, incredible spins. What a story. Um, yeah. Right. Let's go into the current state of Everton. So, of course, last season wasn't the best. He survived on the last day of the season at the expense of Leicester City. And in terms of the main ins and outs, um, the main outs include Asmir Begovic, who's been released to QPR, um, Tom Davis, Andros Townsend, Moise Keane. So no real big losses. And then the main ins include Ashley Young and Yusuf Chamiti. I apologise if I pronounced that wrong. And then rumours coming in, likes of Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay have been linked, Patson Daka from Leicester, mm. Trevor Chalobah has been linked recently. So for you overall, Ped, your take on the whole summer, the ins and outs for your team?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been it's been slow so far. We've obviously we brought Dan Jumer in as well on loan from Villarreal. Um it's 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 been slow. Uh, we we are still missing that centre forward. We're bringing in uh, as you mentioned there Chimiti from uh, Sporting. In Portugal, but he's a very young player. It's a project that's gonna. It's not someone I, that people should really look at for us to sc- he, for him to score goals. So obviously we we're pinning our hopes a lot on Dominic Carvalho being injured again, but uh, being being injured again, <laughs> fraudulent Slip, uh, Freud uh, being fit again. But I imagine you know you can't you can't you can't pin your hopes on that. So there has to be another centre forward. I think Everton are trying, like you mentioned there. They've looked at. Um, Pat and Dacher, that was I mean that's only in the last couple of days. Ian Accio at Leicester as well. Vardy as well. We basically linked with everyone from from Leicester's front line. Um Notto from Leeds as well has been has been heavily linked. We tried to get Triori who ended up at Atalanta. That was a very long um that was a long, you know, de- deal in the making. And the, cause the simple fact is Everton don't have any money. They just don't have any money. It's it's because of years of mismanagement, it's obviously FFP regulation. We sold we sold Anthony Gordon in January, didn't replace him. Um we've obviously, as you mentioned, let quite a few players go. Uh, one you did you didn't mention there's Yeri Mina, who I think is probably the biggest one. But he unfortunately for Yeri Mina, he's, he's just signed for Forentina. He's a fantastic defender. But he just can't stay fit. Just couldn't stay fit. He he played the last four games for us, um, but he just he just had no record of being fit fit enough. You might get twenty games at a push over the you know a season over the five seasons he was with us. So he went as well, and that's so we could probably do with another centre back as well. Uh, we're banking on uh, Jared Branthwaite who's just come back from PSV where he was on loan last season. It's either him or. Michael Keane or Ben Godfrey to start, and and those two can't be starting alongside Tarkowski. So we need a centre forward, and then I think in the last couple of weeks we'll try and pick up maybe a, maybe a couple, maybe a couple of either loans or free transfers, or 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 we're trying to do deals where there's very little money up front. You know, we're trying to you know th- that this is where the, the deal hinges on if a player wants to leave or a club wants to sell them. We're we'll we willing to give them the money, but we just can't pay the money upfront. It might be, and that's where if there's anyone else involved, we'll be beaten every time, unfortunately, because we just simply don't. As a football club, we don't make money; we lose money, you know, quite often. there's been players on far too many high wages. They've had contracts that typically have seen them stay for four, or five years, and then we haven't made any money on them. They've left. The amount of players in the last few years who've left for nothing is is incredible. We barely make any money on players. You know, you've got a, a case at the moment where a Woby's going into his last year, hasn't signed the contract. We don't even know if there's a contract on the table. You know, he was bought in for like 30 million. He could walk out, to, walk out next summer for absolutely nothing. Uh, Damari Gray is probably about to leave to, for Fulham as well. That'll probably happen after the game again on Saturday, because it's against Fulham. So we'll have to replace him. So I think there will be activity in the last couple of weeks because uh, we need to fill the squad because all those players you just mentioned there, even though they're not anyone who's of you know amazing or is not gonna is doesn't, you know, do unbelievable things for the team. They are squad members. They are players that can come in and fill the team. You know, there's there's we've lost Dwight McNeil through an injury, got injured uh, at Stoke last week in a pre season game. Dan Juma missed the game on Saturday against Sporting friend in a friendly. Dominic Carvent Lewin, you've got to be very very careful with them. So we could go into the game on Saturday against Fulham without Dan Juma, uh, Mac and Dominic Carvent loon That's your entire front three, basically, for next season, all missing. And so who fills those spaces? Well, there's nobody to fill the spaces. And that's where, as a, that's where we are riding that line so precariously at the moment. So um, we'd like to have got more in. I think Ashley Young is a very sensible purchase. Well, obviously, we brought him in for nothing. Dan Juma's on loan. That makes sense, even though he rejected us in January and went to Spurs instead. Even though we went to the training ground, it was all signed and sealed. But you, we've got to be grown-ups about it. He's a, he's a, he's a loan, um, obviously, from Villarreal. So it makes sense. The The young kid coming in, Shemiti, as I said, he's a project. So it could be quite a busy last couple of weeks, depending on what happens in the next week or so. If Dominic Alvarez starts... We've obviously got Delhi as well. No one knows quite what's happening with him. He's got an injury. If he plays seven more games that activates a 10 million pound clause, do we really want to pay that? I don't know. But what else are we going to do? Because he's in he's picked well, he had an operation at the back end of last season. He was coming back to training and apparently he's picked up another injury in training. So do you play him? Do you not play him? But you're still paying his wages? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be honest. In 12 months' time, when the stadium is nearly ready, our new stadium, and if we've stayed in the Premier League, things will look a lot better. But this is just, we're like right at the crux here. We're right at the absolute moment where if we can just get through this next year, like we've got through the last couple of years, then I think everything will be okay. I really do. I think everything will be okay and we'll start trying to climb up the Premier League. But just it's just... It's just a little bit dicey at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think last season has to really worry you, or the last two years really, because it has been a really difficult last two years for Everton fans and team. I mean, both times avoiding relegation late on. I mean, last season, even later than the year before with the last day a win with the Decore goal in the second half, a game where you were at half-time going down, what do you think it will take to change that? Is getting Sean Dyson enough or do you think it's more needed? Because looking at the table from last season, you were the lowest goal scorers apart from Wolves. And, you know, mm. a lot of times, most of the years, teams that go down, it's because of goals. Most teams that get relegated every year, their issue is scoring goals. And I think that you alluded to it before the fact that Calva Lewin, you can't run stay fit. You only got about two or three goals last year in the league. And, Neil Moore, Pye, um, he's not exactly someone who's got goals either. So for you, what do you think it's going to take for Everton to this year avoid being in the same situation as the last two years where they're having to fight for their place in the league um, with just games left of the season left?
1: I think there's multiple factors. Um, certainly for last season, I think the teams that came up Massively benefited from that break for the World Cup. I think it's it it's, it's not really something that's been mentioned, but the fact that a uh, uh, those clubs could you know get their a lot of their players would get a break and they could you know get six weeks on the training ground. And you mentioned Wolves; they got they brought a new manager in, in that time, and from being bottom of the league, that helped them. Uh, and we saw how that helped Aston Villa as well, bringing a new manager in, in that time as well. It was you know that those those things were were huge and and I, I just think it was there was a lot of a, there was a lot of issues last season. The goal scoring one is the most important one, like like you've mentioned. I think we when we started the season, there was a there was a weird optimism that things would change and we'd start playing a better brand of football. I I, I just think Frank Lampard lived in cloud cuckoo land. I really do. I think he thought he could take this. Team that just weren't good enough, and and mould them into something. And quite frankly, he's just not good enough as a coach. And I think you saw that uh, obviously not only at Everton, but but at Chelsea as well. Um, whereas it? I think what Sean Dice does is he he knows what he wants. And whereas when when we were in trouble, you had Frank Lampard trying to play five at the back and trying to stem the flow in games. Yeah. Sean Dyche understands how to do that and actually he just put an extra man in midfield he didn't go to five at the back, put an extra man in midfield and that helped us win the ball higher up and start creating more chances we we created a, a lot more chances under Sean Dyche, we just didn't have anyone to finish finish them off I think the plan is this season obviously with Dan Juma, get Dominic Carvalhoon back to some kind of fitness where at least you know, you've got to manage him and maybe it'll be a case of well he, he can be in for a couple of games and then go out and then I just think it's if we could score, say, like 10 to 15 more goals, I think we'd be in just a, a, so much of a better position. You know, we're talking, like, we. I think Palace finished 11th. I think they won three more games than us, lost three less. The goal difference was something like plus nine on us, and they conceded something like 10 less. And that's the difference between having... A quite standard mid-season table to having a last-day heroic um, survival. You know, where, where you go through every emotion. And I think if 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 we if we're a little bit more pragmatic, and and you know we 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 adhere to what Sean Dyche's plans are, I think we could be a lot better off this season. It's still, of course, it's going to be tough. Our squad is paper thin. We do we have. Do you have a goal scorer who's going to get you into double figures? Well, we do in Dominic in because he really is the difference. You know, he he really is, for me, a a really... not Obviously, he's not top level, but he's just in that little group behind, I think, where when he plays, the difference he makes is unbelievable. Anyone who watched the game against Brighton where we won 5-1 at their place, when obviously no one could believe it, that's sort of where he was at, like, his peak of his powers when he came back. You think he played a couple of games before that. And that was really when you could tell he was he was match fit. And even though he didn't score on the night, he dominated their centre backs. He absolutely bullied them. It created space. It opened the game up for Decore. He because the you know they were taking. The, and that's that's the kind of player he is. And we are it is night and day. You mentioned Mopai there. Mopai is nowhere near the level. It wasn't a very good buy. And that's not against Mopi as a play. He's obviously he's obviously got a skill set. It just doesn't suit what we are. So we've got to bring someone in. Who can replace Dominic Harvelline, who can take the weight off his shoulders. Um no one can really get to the bottom of what Dominic is suffering with either. He's he's had multiple injuries. It's it's almost like there's a there's a strain on his whole, his whole body, and no one can quite fully work out what it is that because it's not one problem, it's not like he's got a persistent knee injury or persistent, you know, hamstrings. It's it's different things all the time. And Evan, I've got I've been trying to get to the bottom of that and he's been in Germany part of the summer. Uh, trying to sort that out, but he has to adhere to a strict plan, and um, that might mean he does go out to the some of the games. That might mean Dan Juma goes and plays up front. Um, but we have to, so we have to get a centre forward. We have to get a, we have to get a right winger, and we have to listen. The home record's been abysmal for us. We we're typically used to being stronger home. So I think if the home record improves, the away record. would think we won two last season: Southampton and Brighton. If that can improve, like just by. Three or four wins, you know. If that improves by three wins, Everton will be comfortable this season, I think. Comfortable, and that's just the away record, by the way. If the home record improves by three wins as well, and the away record improved by three record, uh, three three wins, we we'd be absolutely fine, absolutely fine. Um, I also think you bring into the fact that the promoted teams, I think Luton and Sheffield United don't even look like they're bothered really. They look like they're taking the money. And that's fit. You know what? Fair play. Come up. Enjoy yourself. The players you brought you up, know, give them a go and take the money. If you stay up, brilliant. If you don't take the money, put it into your stadium, put it into your training ground, pay off your debts, whatever it is. And then it's one more and you, you know someone like of course we'll be in the mix. Not I'm not don't you know I don't 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 for one minute believe we're suddenly going to become this great team. We'll be in the mix. Wolves will be in the mix. Bournemouth will be in the mix. Uh, Palace will be in the mix. West Ham will be in the mix. There'll be there'll be again seven, eight teams when it comes to March. Who you people will be looking at going, oh, this this is interesting, isn't it? And we'll be one of them. But it's just if we can just, as I said, have a consistency about at least the performances. And Sean Dyche is he's calm as well. He doesn't get rattled very easily, so I think that's important as well. So. It'll, it will be an interesting season. I I think we'll be OK. Um, I think we've got just enough talent to be OK. And hopefully we can add on to the, uh, onto that squad in the next couple of weeks.
0: I think what he's saying is bang on. And I think, look at the team. I think that and showed, albeit a lot of it was without fans, which maybe should be a concern. He showed in the Ancelotti era that he was a good striker and he scored a lot of goals under Ancelotti. And it, should, it goes to show how good job he did. The fact that, you're mm. one point top of the table with a t- basically the same team with, I think, only yeah. for a few weeks. But, um, you know, I think the midfield, you got, you know, the Corey, drissa Gay, and some good players midfield. And I think that's probably your strongest area. But you look at the defence and the attack particularly, that's where the issues have been. And I think if you can get, as you say, if you can get Cavaloo in playing even somewhat back to his best, I think that's yeah. a good option for you. And I think Deli Ali, I think that Everyone knows that a player there, it's whether you can get it out of him. But I think now is obviously the private stuff's come out, out of the open recently, been a lot more open with what's been going on. That could help him on the pitch in terms of now that's out of the way, he can sort of concentrate in football again, and he hasn't got that over his shoulder. But um, with Sean Dyke, does it worry you a little bit the fact that he went down with Burnley and really most years would have gone down with you guys last season? Um, does that worry you in terms of? with how football's changing in terms of being very possession based and everyone, every manager these days, seems to go for that kind of Klopp-style or Pep-style football. and Does that worry you, the fact that maybe his kind of football is dying a little bit in terms of what goes on this season?
1: No, I'll be honest, it doesn't worry me one bit. I think I watched Frank Lampard try and play that kind of football and it was nonsense. It was absolutely rubbish. Playing it out from the goalkeeper, um, only to be caught four passes, and suddenly you caught on on the back the back foot. Everton's biggest problem last season was losing the ball, losing possession in transition. You know, pushing men forward and then losing the ball because of a stupid pass that was never on. You know, you we saw that. You know, seen that at Anfield. I Liverpool's second goal um, last season was 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 just stupid, stupid. The pass chance, someone trying to do something clever in the final third. I think it was a Woby, and then the next minute Liverpool counterattacked, and it's you know we finished. I think that made it two 0 and finished the game off. You know it's it's you ha- it's horses for courses. I think football has become it's it oftentimes I think I find teams tend to be far too clever. There's a, there's other ways to play football, and I think. You have to work with doing what you've got. I think Sean Dice, A lot of people thought he was going to come in and play four four two. Never played four four two once. He hasn't played four four two yet at Everton. He plays the core breaking as a um, as a as a the highest midfielder, and then suddenly he becomes almost like a split striker and utilizes the space. That's worked for us. Obviously, set pieces have worked for us. I think. I think you can only work with with what you've got. If you try and be Manchester City without Manchester City's players, you're gonna you're gonna fall massively short. It's something, it's something I just don't get in football. You've got to be who you are rather than try and be someone you're not. And it's oft oftenly like, I think Leicester was similar last season. Leicester tried to be something that they weren't. They end up getting relegated because of it, trying to be too clever, trying to trying to be um you know trying to be what everyone wants them to be rather than what what will get them out of trouble? I mean, less are like poor defenders. They should have known they were going to be. They couldn't play a particular style, and yet they still tried to play it. So I'm quite comfortable with the way Sean Dyche wants to play. And I'd say I'll be honest with you: it was a million times better than Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, oh, honestly, just it was embarrassing. Some of the moments watching him, some of the things his team were trying to do. You know, play, playing games without a centre forward, think really thinking we were gonna be good enough to take teams on and you know, some of the buys he made. I, I I'd rather have a tried and trusted manager like Dice who understands the situation we're in rather than overcomplicating it and trying to go, go jump from where we are to, you know, trying to say, Oh, we're gonna do what Aston Villa did or try and do what Newcastle have done. Well, Aston Villa had really good attackers. Newcastle had really good attackers when, when, um, and when Howe came in. He just, he just added the back line. And similar with similar with Villa, they've just been organised. We need, we need a lot of parts before we even try and think about jumping into a different kind of style. And I think that's why the players we've brought in so far, Ashley Young, played three positions. You know, Dan Juma can probably play all three front positions. Um, he's looking for players... On the cheap, but a versatile, and obviously that's what he's used to when he was at when he was at um, Burnley. It's difficult at Everton at the moment. There's a lot of money being poured into the stadium that's not being poured into the team, you know. And obviously that's our future. That's what we are hoping will propel us to to the next stage. Because football, let's get it right. Football is running away from from clubs like Everton now. It's about the elite. It's about everything because for the elite. You know, five Champions League places. The revision of the of the of the Champions League to almost like a super league. The influence now of Saudi Arabian money—it's running away from those traditional clubs, and we've got to find a way to keep to keep going. And the way, really, is the Brighton way. That's the only way, isn't it? The Brentford way. It's to bring players in, like we like you mentioned before, Onana. Do you know what Onana? In a couple of years, I think, or even next summer, it's going to be a lot of top clubs banging on the door for him because he. He's, last season was his first season very raw playing a lot of games physically demanding this summer could be his this season sorry could be his breakout season could be worth 60 70 million in this market that propels us to to then bring in a couple more players you know you mentioned before Chimiti, very raw doesn't really excite players because he's only got sco- uh, people because he's only scored three goals so far but you've got to be able to chain those players out and get money for them and that's what's going to propel us forward so yeah, like you know, go back to your original question. I'd rather I'd rather have just a bit of reality, Sean Dyes telling us exactly how it is, um and 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 be, be all be part of it, basically all be part of the process to try and make Everton better.
0: Now, before we go on to your prediction for the table finish, I want to ask you about Jordan Pickford and just how crucial he is to your team because last few years especially, some of the saves he's made in these big games, I remember last season, the very last day, but also mm. remember um I was actually on a plane to Thailand. The, the game was on the plane, live, the Leicester game, where he made a penalty yeah. save and a few other great saves. And I think he has proved to be... He has got his critics, don't get me wrong. He has a lot of games where he can make mistakes, but other games where he can make amazing saves. But he's proved to be, in the last two years for you guys, very, very crucial. And just how crucial is it going to be this season for you guys in your hopes of um, surviving in the Premier League?
1: Yeah, it's hugely important, but he does his job. I mean, I, I do think... I think the, the, the criticism of him is just I find it absolutely incredible. I must I must admit, I find it absolutely incredible. In fact, I find it I find what I find quite hilarious is Arsenal are buying a new goalkeeper. That's what I find absolutely hilarious because people try to invent this rivalry between him and Ramsdale. Um no one ever seems to critique Ramsdale. I think Ramsdale is awful on crosses. I don't know if I, like I when he He just seems to flap at everything on crosses, and it—it's you know when Ray was mentioned for Arsenal, I was like, yeah, because I don't—I think Ramsdale's a really good shot stopper or makes those saves that you know TV channels love because he can put them in promos and in slow motion. But I think he gets a lot of the fundamentals wrong, and Pickford has become a very steady goalkeeper. He had his issues, of course. You go back to when he first signed and the. Obviously, the incident at Anfield, and that plagued him for a very, very long time. He started making mistakes. He started trying to be too clever. If anything, now, if Pickford makes mistakes, it's typically in his kicking, trying to be a little bit too clever, trying to trying to maybe set moves up too quickly. England love it. Obviously, England utilise it all the time. It doesn't quite come off for Everton. But in terms of saves, if he makes mistakes, it tends to be just the kind of mistakes all goalkeepers make, whether they be the very best, Allison or Edison, uh, that you know, they make they make mistakes, you know, just normal mistakes, you know. Now and again the ball slips out their hands, or now and again just something something happens, a human, human error. Pickford has eliminated a lot of those quirky moments that people would pick up on, and he's become a very steady goalkeeper. And where I think again, where he used to people pick out moments, there's very few moments to pick out now. He's a very safe goalkeeper. I don't think he, listen, is he absolute elite? Probably not. And that's probably down to what people would say size. You know, maybe he's not the most dominating goalkeeper in the world. Maybe he's not able to, um, you know, dominate the box like other goalkeepers do. But for us, I mean, you know, he's just signed a new five-year deal. He signed that last season within the last couple of months where, as a fan, we thought no one's signing a new contract here, because the club can't afford to give new contracts out to players because we didn't know what division we were going to be in. He signed a new contract. He's he was a skipper for a long time last season as well. It just seems to get on with get on without any for him, without any fuss. There's a lot of fuss made about him. But for him, he, he's just a very low maintenance guy. And and some of the saves, I mean, you mentioned the one against Bournemouth, I think. In the in in injury time, I think that's one of those saves that he'd make it, He'll make it all the time, but obviously because it was injury time I and mean, we won nil up and if they'd scored, it's a lot made of that. But I go back to the year before the save he made against against Chelsea when we won one nil. It was you know it was an incredible save and he's had those moments. So I think for us he's just a very steady goalkeeper. We 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 just we don't we don't go over the top of him. We're very proud that he's the England goalkeeper. Um, and as I said, a lot made of that in the media. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great to have him. It's great that he's signed a new contract, and um, he will he will be huge this season. But he'll be huge just doing his job, like uh, you know, he'll be huge doing his job. And you go back to the Leicester save; it was massively crucial. But he'd made other crucial saves that night, and he's made crucial saves, as you said, there in in other games that have he- that have helped us. But to him, it's just like he's doing his job. To be honest.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think that's obviously the reason why he's in number one, and he's beating out the likes of Nick Pope and Alan Ramsdale and the like. So, I, I think you know, I think you're right. I think the phrase "he's got mistaken him" I think is used far too much. Every keeper's got mistaken him. Allison, yeah. remember the one game they had Madrid both Courtois and Allison made mistakes in the same same half, and I think that um, I think sadly for him is probably the case where because he's playing for a team that. Isn't doing as well in the league, and he's got the microscope of being England number one. That probably adds a lot of pressure to him, and I think that yeah doesn't help him in that sense. Um, but we're going to head to the final segment, which is going to be like with every fan so far in this mini series. We're going to ask Ped for where he thinks his team's going to finish in the league table. So Ped, where will e- where will Everton finish this season?
1: Ah, oh, well, I'm really hoping for just a little bit more this season. Not, not dramatic. I'm not asking for you know. I don't think we'll finish top half, but I, I genuinely do think that we're we're capable of getting say three more wins. It, it doesn't sound much, but when you've only won you know th- a couple away from home, um, it's huge. So I, I, think I think we're capable of finishing you know 12th, 13th, and just it's baby steps with us. That's all I'm asking for. We're trying to get. Trying to get 40, 45 points. Say, let's just say, um, which would be three wins. Which would, and if we could have like thirty-eight of them by, like you know, April, so we don't have to go through those the the scenarios all in our head of oh how many points we're going to get from that game and how many points we're going to get from that game and all those kind of things that we've had to go through in the last couple of years, it would be brilliant. Because as you mentioned earlier, you know, two years ago, so going back three seasons ago, we had we finished with like fifty-nine points. You know, there's many a year that had gone by that would have been a, a win or, well, even that year it was, it was. I think it was three points off getting European place. Um, so we weren't that far away, but obviously then we started started selling all our players, and I think if we could just get to like forty five points this year, get comfortable. Next next year, we'll at some point we'll move into the new stadium, um, and I think that'll give everyone a list So. I'm. I'm going to go for. I. I don't know what it, Where it finish, Where we'd finish. But I'm going to go for 45 points. I think that will get us around 13. It will keep us away from the relegation zone. And I think it'll. It'll be just another season. A quiet season. Do you know? I was on Sky Sports News that many times last season, complaining. <laughs> I was like, one day you'll come in here and you'll we'll talk about nice things. I don't think that'll ever happen, but just a nice quiet season where I don't have to complain or I don't have to, um, where I'm not asked to go on TV or anything. So that would be really nice. So I'm going to go for 45 points. It wouldn't, we won't get relegated on 45 points. So whatever that gets us, I'll be happy with.
0: Well, you are our 13th, yeah, our, our 12th guest, I should say. And our, it's our 13th team overall. And, um, that means with your 13th place position prediction, you are our ninth most optimistic fan out of the 11 that have given table predictions. So only two teams less than you, but we've had teams like Newcastle, Man U, Man City, you know, Bournemouth. Uh, so they're actually behind you, like Forest and West Ham. So you know, these teams that have gone ahead of you, they are sort of very much um, teams that you expect to finish higher than you. We've got a Luton fan on tomorrow, so that should be interesting where they predict their team to finish. But... um, yeah, that that's yeah. Um, optimism. I think I was expecting a lot lower. I was expecting I was 17th like 17th or 16th place prediction from you. I must be honest, I wasn't expecting so <laughs> high. So it's a fair play. I'm liking the optimism,
1: <laughs> if you can call that optimism. Yeah, listen, <laughs> it. I, I we we'll, I think we'd all. As a, I think most Evertonians would take that. They honestly would, because mm. there's good things. There's honestly, you. I mean, the amount of people who are like shocked by our sta- like our stadium. Go if you've not looked, go on YouTube. And just go and just type in New Everton Stadium, and you'll be amazed. Honestly, there's drone footage every day. There's guys making a living off drone footage. Of our, it is absolutely amazing, and I don't think people even understand that how close it is like to being built uh, to being finished. It's unbelievable. The outside just looks—it's—it's oh, it's Im- unbelievable. The drone footage is un- it just makes it look uh, incredible, and it's so close to to like it's so you can feel like you can touch it. You can, we're like, we're almost, this should be our last season at Goodison. It's, it's technically not because we know we're going to start next season at Goodison. And there's actually a debate where we're going to play the whole of next season at Goodison as well, or we'll move. So we personally, I think we should just move. I, I'm not that sentimental. I, I think we should just move, but, Honestly, it's it's gonna be amazing, and it's it's there, and it's just like just if we can just get there, we can be in the Premier League, and things will start looking up. Things will start feeling so much different when we're in our new ground because it's absolutely amazing. It's unbe- it's gonna be unbelievable, you know. And Liverpool are getting theirs done at the moment. We're gonna have two. Unbelievable stadiums in in our city. I know I'm not supposed to say that because I'm an Evertonian, <laughs> but but I but I but as a person who comes from Liverpool, I actually do have a great sense of pride in my city, and I and I have no issue with with Liverpool having a really good stadium or, or anything. Um, it's it's the people who got in it rather than the Axel Stadium that I care about. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, honestly, I've I have a great sense of pride in that that we have, and we're going to have two absolutely wonderful stadiums in our city. Um. That, listen, in eighteen months' time, it won't be about trophies. It'll be about which one Beyonce plays in. That'll be the great debate within <laughs> Liverpool. Like they've got Taylor Swift next summer. Do you know what I mean? So the year after, it'll be like who's getting Beyonce. That'll be that's That's where football is now. <laughs> <That's it. laughs>
0: well, what's your take on this stadium? Because what you say now sounds like you're very much happy to move from it. But in terms of, because I'm saying because I go to case my dad all the time and. We we normally, most times, park at Goodison Park and walk to Anfield. It's that close. And I think there's a nice feeling about it's very rare you get a city where, apart from Nottingham, there's not many cities where you've got two stadiums that you bang, smack right next yeah. to each other. So do you think anything can be lost in terms of the derby and Derby Day? Or do you think anything could be lost by the fact that you haven't got the stadiums so close to each other? And it, Do you think that at all is going to affect it? Or do you think because it's still going to be... In the docks is going to be in the city centre itself. Do you think that's going to mean it's still okay? What's your thought on the on where it's been moved to the stadium?
1: Um, I, it's it's what's best for Everton. I honestly couldn't care less about Liverpool. Like, generally, they just don't enter my world. Except I do share a stadium, uh, share a sorry a, a studio with um the Red Men TV, which yeah is as bad as it sounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I say studio, I mean a building like we have our own studio. But... Yeah. Um, no, I mean the derby. Thing, I couldn't care less. I'll be honest, and I, I'm not being ge- I'm not being audible here or or generalizing. But most fans who go to Anfield on a match, they are not from Liverpool. I mean that's just fact. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's be, not even that's, that's not be me being audible. By the way, <laughs> that's not me being audible. That's just fact. Like, like that's just that is just fact. And I don't think we come into there thinking because number one, when we're, we're not a team that challenges for trophies and. Number two, they're coming from outside the city where they won't be surrounded by Evertonians. So I don't think they, I don't think it, we will ever come into your consciousness as that. So I, I, don't know. Maybe Liverpool fans will be like, oh, we'll miss coming to Goodison, but I don't go to Anfield. I've never been to Anfield to watch Everton play, like ever. Like I've been to Anfield, like to, I've watched games, your international games there, and and, but I've never been to watch Everton play at Anfield. And and I'll never go to Anfield to watch Everton play. It's just something I'll never do. Um, so for me, it it has no impact. I can't wait to move to my to our new stadium. It's going to be incredible. I love Goodison, but it's the past. I want the future. The the you know the future is where Everton can maybe suddenly get going. So it's in a brilliant place. Our new stadium. It's it's on the docks. It's a very traditional part of like of Liverpool in terms of what the history of the city, the, the city center is not too far. It's not, to, it's not actually that far from Goodison. It's not far from actual like Everton as, as in the area. So uh, it's not, you're not getting away from like our traditions. It's, you know, there's been in the past attempts to move us to like Kirby and, and to on the outskirts of the city. We are very much still in our, the heartland of, of, of who we are north of the city. And, it, it, you know, all that stuff mixed together, it's, it's, you've got the tradition, but it's obviously the future of the club. So for me, I, I can't wait. I, I honestly can't wait. It can't come quick enough for me to move. So, uh, whether anything's been lost, I mean, the last time Everton won a Mayside derby, Goodison Park was 2010. <laughs> I mean, who cares? You know, who cares about Goodison if you've got a record like that? It's not like we've got some kind of fortress here where, where we beat Liverpool every year. So, um, maybe a new stadium will give us the change we need.
0: Yes, certainly. I mean, it's been a long time. And in that game, I remember that, that being a point where I think both teams actually were struggling a lot that year. I remember, um, I think Sky did um, Bridge of Troubled Water as a song, as yeah. a montage at the start of the programme. It was both teams <laughs> struggling. That was the narrative on Talk Sport and Five Life. It, but pre match, like, build up to the game was how bad both teams were. And I remember just my memory, memory of that game is um, we're losing, I think, one or two nil at that point. I'm seeing Koncheski try a 30 yard shot and it goes. I don't think it even goes on target. I think it hits the corner flag or something like that. And that was just yeah. one of my worst times at the fan, that Hodgner and Konczeski. I yeah. think still is probably the worst player I've seen ever wear Liverpool shirt. Um, but that is where we'll end the podcast for today. So first of all, huge thanks once again for Ped for coming on.
1: No problem. Lovely to be here.
0: Well, it's a pleasure having you on. And for those who are listening to this podcast who are Everton fans and for some reason haven't come across Toffee TV, <laughs> uh, what can they expect from the channel?
1: Oh God! Just Everton, just me being miserable. Baz trying to be happy, um, and just us honestly talking, talking about Everton, but also just uh, obviously we we are we we're, we're not we're not the most biased fans either. We we just we see everything. We don't see everything through the prism of Everton. We see everything just through the prism of being football fans, and and so you know we love our club, but we're not we're not people who are um stupid enough to think that. You know, we are still living in the 80s, you know what I mean? So, so we, you know, it, it we, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of, in fact, it's funny because you went back before what you said, a lot of Liverpool fans watch our channel. Lots of Liverpool fans love just watching us and love the banter we have and, and just the, um, how the, the, you know, the, the, the gallows humor as well, we, we tend to have as well about our own football club because we understand the position we're in and we want it to be better, but, but we know that's not necessarily how it is at the moment. So, um, we try our best, and and we try and see the the brighter side of things. It's not always easy, but yeah, that's that's what you'll find. You'll find us, and we we'll talk about other football clubs and on you know as they are, not not how we'd like them to be.
0: Yeah, I've gotta admit, I can't think what the game was two years ago where I can't think who you played where it seemed like you were going down. I did go to you guys straight away and watch your reaction to the game. I must admit, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I did check out the content to see how you guys reacted. (laughs) I think there was a point a couple of years ago where it seemed like it was all gonna you were going down. I can't think what the game was now. I think, I think it was yourself that said we're going down I think you were you were adamant at that point and then also then fast forward a few games later when to beat Palace and it all changed um, yeah. yeah I think thankfully yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that is the end of the podcast so this has been the EuroTrips podcast our Everton season preview I've been Andy this has been Ped and we will see you guys next time four, one own, number one